Welcome to Two Peas in a Pod. I'm Max Pisano. And I'm Joseph Pisano. Each week we'll be talking real estate, banking and mortgages, sharing insights into the local real estate markets and updates on the banks for your mortgages and investment loans to help you make better informed decisions. And also give you an opportunity to ask questions in this ever-changing, uncertain environment. So let's get into it, shall we? Joe. Yes, Max. Welcome to uh, this week's podcast. It's um, Friday the 23rd, uh, 29th of May. Yeah. And as we sit here in, uh, we're doing a, a, a in-person one today. Yeah, I can see you live. To the, uh, different to the uh, Zoom ones and it's a bit exciting actually, although we've got our sanitizer on the table and wiped down the benches. I'm um, looking forward to getting back to business as usual. Not that I think it will ever be business as usual, but a little bit more normality than we've had. So I've been thinking about this week's uh, podcast, Joe, Joseph, and um, uh, I know both of us have been having questions around buying and buying property. I I think um, there are a lot of people out there that are thinking this might be a good opportunity, a good time to buy, especially off maybe the back of one of our episodes that we spoke a little bit about that. Well, definitely um, my phone's been ringing a lot more, as I said, the other week. Uh, So now, as of today, it's been two solid um, weeks of inquiry. So I suppose, um, you know, people want to buy, you know, are starting to get back in the market. So let's see how we can help them. So um, Then it's probably timely... um for us to talk a little bit about uh, buying. And look, I know some of our listeners are probably well-seasoned uh, buyers, but I'm of the belief, you know, constant and ever-ending learning. And uh, you can always learn something off someone else. So what I thought we might do today then is uh, have a little bit of chat around um, buying property and what what needs to happen, I guess, before the ultimate um, offer is made. And and to be specific, I guess, we, we like to talk more about just a private sale slash expression of interest type um, purchase uh, because that's really the most common at the moment. I mean, even though there are some auctions, um, there's very few and far between. So uh, would that be a good place to start? Are you happy with that, Joe? And we talk a little bit around that? Yeah, I reckon that would be a great place, Max. Well, well, you know, it goes without saying, before you... You really start looking at property. You should have your finance in order, right? You Correct. being the finance guy, what do you got to say about that? Well, basically, we can uh, we can all talk about how to do that. But let's say, let's just say, I advise people to make sure they have got their finances in order um, before they start seriously looking. Um, I mean, it's all right to look, but let's say they're at. Max, uh, they're at a decision. They've got their finances in order, and they want to go and buy now. So, what? Let's let's put it to you. What what should they be doing? All right. So, well, finance is done. Tell me, what okay. should they be doing? Fair comment. Well, I think one of the first things, is, of course, is is finding the property. And as much as that sounds um, simple, yeah, a couple of tips here that I might share with people is, I mean, it's nice to go on realestate.com, and yeah. uh, which is probably the best portal, to be honest. I mean, the others, yes, they've got coverage, but that seems to have the most. And of course, we're talking about on-market properties, Joe, right? Yeah. Because there's there's plenty of off-market properties, and 
you know, that's another conversation in its own right. They should really be teaming up with an agent who yeah. can show them off-market properties. But for the moment, we're talking about on-market properties where vendors have decided they're going to sell. So the first thing I would suggest is that they set up a few alerts. Right. And maybe not even one alert. You can go into realestate.com, for example, and, and make a profile, you know, yeah. and, you, and you can call it, um, you know, Max Pisano at Gmail profile. Um, little tip for people, actually, you can set up um, multiple Gmail accounts with the same Gmail by just adding a plus symbol. So, for example, we set up one profile called Max Pisano plus three bedroom homes at gmail.com. And then we can set up Max Pisano plus four bedroom homes at gmail.com because the problem with realestate.com, it doesn't allow you to have multiple profiles, right? Right. So, so why would you do this? Why would you set up alerts? Well, make your life easy, right? right? As soon as a new property gets listed, you'll get the alert. And the reason why realestate.com do that is that they actually want agents to purchase their email service. Yes. So it makes sense that they're going to let agents know, sorry, they're going to let buyers know yes. as soon as the property is listed. So I reckon the first thing is set up alerts. Don't just rely on going in there and doing a bit of a search yourself. And, you know, you yeah. start to narrow down the criteria. And, of course, you know, how you, whatever your criteria is, you have to determine that. But I'd make it wide, you know, three, three and four-bedroom homes if you're looking for a three-bedroom home because sometimes you might find the four-bedroom that might be in your price range. You know, have the price range nice and wide. So, yeah. and then narrow it down over time. Does that make sense? It does make sense. Okay, so, so start off with your property search. Next thing is, once you've found a property you like, one of the questions I get asked a lot, and I know you ask me this a fair bit too, Joe, for some of your clients, is what do you reckon the property's worth? Yeah. So the next step is really to do a little bit of basic research just to give you an idea. Now, fortunately in Victoria, I know we've got listeners interstate, um, but in Victoria we have a, a thing, rightly or wrongly, for the good or bad, was introduced a little while ago called the Statement of Information. It's quite interesting that there's a lot of buyers that are not still familiar with the statement of information. How do I know this? Because I look at the stats on the properties that I sell and I realise that there might be a 1,000 views of a property and only 300 views of the statement of information. And that's a little bit concerning for, for a seller, but you know, again, a topic for another day. So the statement of information, you can has to be loaded on all Victorian properties. It's mandatory by law and it should indicate a, a guide as to what the property's worth. Okay, so that'll give them a bit of a, a, a one-up on the next person that actually hasn't looked by the sounds of it. Well, well absolutely. Now, now, the range is 10%. So, for yes. example, let's say 1 million to 1.1 million. Now, I know that a lot of buyers look at it and go, oh, yeah, they want 1.5, right, because of the old underquoting. But make no mistake, consumer affairs have come down real hard on people that are not estimating as close to the real figure as possible. Yeah. They've actually handed out million-dollar fines, right? So we're not, we're not talking that they're not serious about it. They're very serious about it. Now, there's still some agents that will, you know, quote a property low. Uh, the old saying, unfortunately, bad one, quote it low, watch it go. That's illegal, right? So if you're looking at reputable agents, and most agents, you know, are, um, you look at the statement of information, that's your first guide, right? Especially in this current market. I'm, I'm a culprit of it myself. I don't put a price out there all the time. 
because I'm not sure myself what the property's worth. Right. Right? But I do have to put the statement of information. That's law. So look at your statement of information. That gives you a ballpark. The next thing is look at old sales. Just go on realestate.com. Actually, realestate.com has some excellent research tools if you dig deep, right? If you want to know more about it, get in touch with myself or Joseph and we'll, we'll show you how to go there. But one of the portals that I use is called uh, CoreLogic or RP Data. Yeah. Now, that's a paid subscription. But realestate.com uses the same back engine, right? So you can go on the website and use those tools yourself. And not even that. Just go into the, the homepage and instead of selecting for sale, select sold property, right? So type in your suburb, type in your criteria, sold, bang, up come your properties. Now, not all of them will have a price. Some are undisclosed. Yeah. But you go in there and really just compare it. Like, It's not that hard. It's no different to... I think that's a good one. I think butting in there, Max, I think that's a, a good one for people that do start. Um, the first thing I tell them is, look, we started the, the finance side of things and they're all keen and everyone's keen, but we still haven't got our finance ready. And I say, well, start doing that research. So by getting into what you're saying, uh, looking, you know, scrolling back and looking through the sold things, it starts to give you a bit of an idea of what's been going on. It might help you to what's going to happen. Not always, but it, it'll give you a little bit of a history at least. Yeah, and look, it's a great point. And it's funny how many people get caught up in the emotion and don't bring it back to basics. Like, you know, if you're going to buy a pair of jeans, yeah, right? this might end up being a very bad analogy, by the way, Joe, but let's yeah. give it a try, right? Yeah. You're going to buy a pair of jeans, you go to three different stores, yeah. and if they're all similar type jeans, they should all be similar type prices. Yeah. If you go to one store and it's a similar type gene but it's twice the price, there's one or two things that are wrong. Maybe, yeah. maybe it's a designer wear, right? But maybe that store's just got a massive margin that's trying to make a big profit out of yeah. it. It's the same with property. I mean, yes, a vendor can ask whatever they want, right? But it's what it sells for, right? I hear a lot of buyers say, yeah, but the vendor wants X. Well, that's good, but can the vendor get X, right? Yeah. It's really based on what are recent sales. Every market is based on what is something sold for, right? Um, example of, uh, you know, uh, bread machines. I recently sold my wife's bread machine that she bought a month, two months ago. She didn't like it. We looked at eBay. We looked at what are they selling for? Roughly $250. So we priced it accordingly and it sold for roughly $250. So the point being that it's not that difficult to determine what a pro what something is worth in the marketplace. So do your research, really important. Yeah. Statement of info, online research, they're the two places to start. And of course, going around to properties. But one thing I probably should add is, and I'm an agent, right? But maybe don't rely too much on what agents tell you price-wise. Cold, hard facts is all you need. What's something sold for? Not, oh, that should sell for, or that might sell for. It's what it's sold for is your basics, okay. not your basis, right? Well, when, um, that's, that's good to know there, Max, but um, what happens sometimes is I've got, now you've got your first home buyers and you've got your seasoned and some that are seasoned buyers, but I get asked a lot, um, you know, who can help me? How do I get help? And I, I know there's buyers advocates out there and then there's some that do a, a really good job, um, but not everyone wants to spend 
$10,000 or $20,000 or whatever to buy them a house. They pretty much know what they want to buy and um, they've got an idea by then what, is there a service that you do or, or whatever that's out there that can help them sort of like put the last, you know, touch on it, you know, like a bidding or a, you know, this is a good way of negotiating or, you know, if you haven't done it before, it, it can be pretty hard. It can be pretty hard because sometimes people, I've heard people come up and said, oh, I made an offer, but I wasn't going to take that, you know, I wasn't going to give them my best offer because I knew they'll come back to me. Well, the agent never came back to them and they lost the property, right? And they think, well, why didn't they come back to me? They normally, you know, so, you know, people play games and that, but is there some sort of help out there for these type of people or, you know? Well, look, that's, that, that is a really good question with probably multiple answers and, and without, you know, I don't, certainly don't want to step on buyer's advocate's toes, but yeah. in Australia, we do... You know, we, we have a system for real estate that really an agent works for the vendor. So yeah. the agent must always so, get the so vendor. So they should because they get, they're paying them. Correct. Right. But, but in the States, for example, you've got buyer's agents, right, or agents who actually must be engaged by purchasers yeah. to negotiate. And then, then what happens is the, the two agents negotiate to sell or buy this property. So I'm going to try and answer your question this way. I think that knowledge is power. And certainly I've helped a lot of, we both have helped a lot of our clients purchase, but knowledge is power. And and I think the more they know about a property and what it's likely to sell for will give them that edge. But yeah. having said that, you know, certainly if anyone needs that little bit extra, and I'll talk a little bit about that in just yeah. a moment, because that's one of the other topics we're going to cover today. But we're here to, to assist. So look, I don't know if I've answered the question accurately because I uh, again it's a multi-part question but perhaps we we talk a little bit about the next stage of this process buying a property which is you know after the inspection of course um, yeah. you've got to inspect it and these days some of the virtual inspections are fantastic but really the negotiation process and I think that's what you're talking about yeah. Joe is that right yeah because I, I do agree I've had my own sister right who was making offers to purchase properties and was missing out and then when she came to me um, for advice, you know, I helped her first this solo place, of course, um, made mum happy, by the way, and because I looked after her daughter. And um, she's looking to buy. So the advice I gave her was, uh, in her particular case, she loved the place, and I asked the following questions. And these are the questions that you should ask yourself as a buyer, right? First question I said is, how much do you love the place? So on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 is if you don't buy it, you're going to die, and 1 is you absolutely hate it. How much do you love the place? She said, look, it's a 9. It's really, I've looked at a lot. I've looked at a lot of properties. It's checked off a lot of the boxes. It's really a 9. So what you're saying to me is that if you missed out, you'd probably be real disappointed. She goes, I would, with this one, I would really be disappointed. It's funny you should say that, Max, because I always, not always, but over the years, I've always had clients come up to me and go, oh, I've just found the best property. That I, and I always go back to them and say, look, you only just started looking, right? It's the best property you've seen in what? The, how many have you seen? Two? Well, maybe it is the best property, but you haven't looked long enough, you know? So I, I understand what you're saying, but... I find that funny that um, I'm glad you actually said that she'd been looking and, you know, the history was there and yet, look, from the 
research I've done, yeah, I can answer that question. But a lot of people, they jump the gun a bit early, you know. I think you're right. I think you're right. And, and I think that, that thermometer question, the 1 to 10, the scale, it works great in many scenarios, but especially in property. Yeah. So, so going back to, you know, my sister's case, when that was the case, when I said to her, when she said to me she really would not like to miss out on this, I said, okay, well, now that's simple. So let's go to the next stage. And the next stage was, okay, what are you prepared to spend for the property, right? And she gave me a budget. There's no need to disclose figures here. She gave me a budget, which I thought was considerably high. I said, okay, great. We've got you. We're working with a figure now yeah. that I think can work. So it's pointless going in really low because I know everyone, every buyer wants to buy the cheapest, right? Yeah. But that runs a risk of you missing out. It's as simple as that. So what we did is... In this particular case, we put in an offer that was about um, probably about twenty, thirty thousand dollars under what the property, what her maximum budget was. Right? We put that in. It was close to what they wanted pre-offer to auction, but it was a little bit less. And we said, "Look, so enough to keep them interested, knowing that you were serious." Absolutely, wasn't rather than a yeah. joke or so. So, look, let's talk figures without disclosing her figure. Let's say that the property was selling between six and six sixty. Right, yeah. that was the quoted range. Yeah. Right, uh, on the statement of information, we knew it wasn't going to sell for six. Like impossible. Yeah. Like six was too. Late. So I said, look, making an offer at six hundred is not going to get you the property. Making an offer at six sixty is certainly going to get you much closer. Yeah. We knew after doing the research, when we discussed the research is important. We knew it's probably worth closer to seven hundred. Right. Yeah. Now again, it's not the exact figure, but I'm just giving the example. Right. Yeah. And, and let's say her budget was seven fifty, right? So I said, okay, great. We think it's worth around seven. They're quoting six to six sixty. I think we need to put an offer in around six sixty five, six, even six seventy, right? So you're sure, but that's a fair bit. Hang on, you just told me that you're prepared to spend seven fifty. Yeah, you're right. And you just told me that if you missed out on it, you'd be really upset. Yes, that's right. So I'm just confirming those things. Okay, so. We need to put in an offer at six seventy. So what we did is we put in the offer six seventy. Don't come back to us, but we said it nicely. Like the the, the don't come back to us. We're not going to buy. You know, being we've discussed this the other day on another issue. You catch more flies with honey, right? So don't be nasty. We said to Adjie, look, really, this is all she can afford right now. This is it. It's a good offer, six seventy. That's our best. See what you can do. Look, I'll see what I can do. The owner, blah blah blah. Agent went away, came back, said, "Look, six seventy. He's not going to take it, but if you can bring it up to six eighty, he'll take it, right?" So, so understand, we got a budget of seven fifty. We think it's worth seven. We put in a real substantial offer that was, it got people thinking, right? They came back an extra ten. I said to my sister, "Give him the money." The property's yours. Are you sure? Give them the money, property's yours. I said, you love this property. And actually, one other question I forgot to tell you should ask, how long are you going to be in this property? How long do you yeah. see yourself being in this property? She goes, oh, look, at least 10 years. Well, in 10 years' time, that extra ten or 20000 is going to be negligible, yeah. right? If property continues to rise the same value in 10 years, it will double, right? So... So if it's six hundred now, it'll be almost one point two in ten years. That extra ten twenty thousand makes a difference. So people have to put that into perspective. Yeah. 
that's really the key. And lo and behold, she purchased the property. Yeah. So, but she need, but she needed some professional help, really. There, absolutely. She missed out on two others. She was really disappointed. She's disappointed because a lot of, as you know, look. I mean, different agents operate differently, right? Yeah. Not yeah. everyone is transparent, and yeah. she got burnt a couple of times where she was told to do one thing, and as you just said before, you know, she didn't even get the call, and the property was sold. Yeah, right. So that's what you can't. If you really love a property, if it's really for you. You can't. You know, risk that. Yeah. Right. So, so, so that was a story. That yes. was a great little story, I think. You know, but let me just put it into perspective, if I can. So, of course, you know, in the part of the negotiation process, you really need to download and get a copy of the section thirty-two. Yeah. Well, that's that's another story in itself. That, Absolutely. Uh, that's we, a, we that, might. Yeah. Well, definitely. But <laughs> but assuming our, our listeners know a little bit about section thirty-two's and vendor statements, I mean. Some of the things to look out for straight off the bat in today's market is, you know, collating notices. Yeah. Um, basically, councils going around to all the big apartments, and if this collating's got some fire issues, oh, yeah. Look, I've had a yeah, I've had a um, a sale where they definitely wanted to make sure there were no. Um, we had to prove that there were no cladding issues on this particular property before it settled. We had to we had to have formal documents, uh, otherwise the bank didn't want to know about it. So that, that's, uh, that's from my side of things. Well, it's interesting because I, I, ha- I, like, I, I don't sell properties that are like that. I just think it's too difficult, right? Yeah. But I did come across one for a client asked me to look at a contract. Yes. Um, I just recently sold for them a couple of properties. Their mother's passed away, sold that property. Um, they, they purchased and they were looking to buy an investment property and they were running, you know, contracts to pass with some because what I do is a service to my clients, especially if we've yeah. done business, just send me a link. Send me a link. I have a quick look for you. And there was one contract in St Kilda where they were really keen on the property. They loved the property. But as soon as I opened it, I saw this three or four pages of this notoclading notice in the owner's corporation minutes. Yes. Basically meant that, forget, the place, it made sense why the place wasn't sold. So they go, it's really cheap, Max. And it's been on the market for a while. They'll probably take a good off. And I looked down and I said, the reason it's really cheap is because it's got this cleaning issue. So Yeah, there's going to be problems. a few, few dollars going out of those people's um, pockets for sure. Other things to look for, um, body corporate rates. Yep. You know, like uh, I find that, and we're talking apartments, of course, yes. right? Multi, multi-level apartments. Um, I find the higher the owner's corporation fees, yes. the lower the price of the property the harder it is to sell because, you know, you think about a freestanding home, um, once you had rates and insurance, that probably sets you back three and a half grand tops in a typical home, right? Yeah. So a million dollar home. So if you go much higher than that in a, in a bonus corp, it starts to become a real big expense. Yeah. Nothing yeah. to yeah. look out for. Um, and then, of course, you know, going back to um, the the private sale, so and we're talking about private sale, is... Uh, where do you start? We had a bit of a chat about, you know, where we start there when you're ready to make that offer. And really, I think yeah, you need to have a conversation with the agent about where the vendor sees him releasing the property, selling the property. Because it's funny how, you know, the law really says that that statement of information price should be the range at which the property is going to sell. Yes. But often 
you find sometimes lately it's been sold in that range because obviously the market's not as hot at the moment, but often it sells over that. So just getting a real realistic feel for it. And again, it goes back to your research. If you've done your research, you should be able to know where to put in that offer. But again, asking that, you know, scale of one to 10 is a big thing. You know, I do it with my kids. So, Dad, I want to buy this jacket. Well, scale of one to 10, will you die if you don't buy it? Or will you, you know, would you really need it? Same concept. And often it helps make that decision. Yeah. It's a strategy I use when I'm selling a property with buyers. You know, buyer walks through the property and I say, look, do you mind if I ask you a question? And I say, sure. On a scale of one to 10, how much do you like the property? And I'll say, oh, it's about a seven. And my next question, my next comment is, well, what's it going to take you to get to a 10, right? And what that does is it sort of eliminates, oh, well, it's too small. Well, you can't change that, right, unless you extend. Or the orientation's wrong, you can't change that. But if it's things like, oh, I don't like the paper, the wallpaper, so, well, we can change that. You know, it's the same sort of thing. So it's really important to know how much you like that property before you make the move. And, and of course, you know, all offers should be on a contract. If you're yeah. serious about buying, put the offer on a contract. Yeah. Why? Because it's compelling. If you put on a contract, the other side's going to look at it and say, this guy's serious. He wants yeah. to buy. And if you can't even, I mean, not many people have checks anymore, right? But if you've got a checkbook, an old checkbook, write a check for the deposit. You'd be surprised how many vendors hold a check and a contract in their hands and it makes a difference. So, so you know, in summary, I mean, there's a few points there for you. I know it's probably gone a little bit over time, uh, more than what we would have wanted to, but hopefully it's it shed a bit of light on, you know, a couple of tips. Yeah, I think it would get people thinking, you know, like maybe, you know, they've been doing the wrong thing or maybe, that, you know, they've got a little bit... Uh, an insight to uh, from someone with a lot of experience um, that that will um, help them on their journey. Well, that's uh, been hopefully an informative episode this week. Um, and there's probably quite a few things in there that we can elaborate on in future episodes. But uh, for now, this is uh, Max Pisano signing off to you all, and take care until the next episode. And this is Joseph signing off also with Max and. Um, We'll uh, hopefully we'll hear our voices again shortly.